Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anil Polat. I am back from hiatus. The podcast is back. It's been a while. I hope you're doing well. So on today's episode, I think it makes sense to go through, hey, what have I been doing on this hiatus? What's been going on? Then I want to catch up a little bit about what it's like to travel and whether or not you should travel because I just had that experience and it was weird. It was weird. I'm not going to lie. So I want to talk a little bit about that and then get into the reason that I am traveling right now or that I did travel. And that is the tech season, which we are fully into. The tech season has really kicked off. There is a lot, a lot going on. So if you are shopping for pretty much anything tech related right now, I would definitely kind of like travel. Spoiler alert. I would kind of hold off for a bit because things are happening very, very, very fast. I am sort of in the middle of an upgrade of all of my gear mostly. And uh, because of that, it's and just because things are coming out so frequently, it's uh, it's making it difficult to shop and uh, it's making it difficult to take care of some upgrades. Um, but let's just get right into it. Uh, let's just talk about, first of all, hiatus. So what have I been doing during the hiatus? And uh, so for the last few weeks, we did have the special Geek Week podcast, which came out a couple of weeks ago with uh, Professor Mohammed Noor combining biology and Star Trek. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I highly recommend you listen to it. It's one of my favorites. It's it's just awesomeness all around when it comes to geeky things and science. But other than that, I've been working quietly kind of behind the scenes. So there's been a lot of, you know, I hate kind of when people talk about a project without actually saying what's happening. So I've been working on some ways to help you travel smarter. These are things I've been working on for well, well over a year. We're talking almost into two years now, um, but I'm really excited about those. So I've been working behind the scenes on that, kind of been switching up the video, sort of the video production side of things, how I make videos, how I sort of my workflow there. And then uh, in the next couple of weeks, you'll be seeing a different, a different background, a little bit of a different uh, office background. And one of the reasons that I traveled, like I said, was all the tech. So I have a lot of tech boxes waiting for me. So I want to go through some of those with you. But I put out a video a couple of weeks ago, and, and that was titled What It's Like to Fly Through Istanbul Airport Right Now, which is what I did. I traveled internationally. Um, I traveled with Turkish Airlines, despite the fact that they have not refunded me my money and are refusing to. And I'm still pissed off about that. But I wanted to take a direct flight. So this was a direct flight to the U.S., and I decided to do that because of the carry-on restrictions. And I was really surprised that so many of you had questions about what it was like traveling. Um, you had more questions about whether or not you should travel. And I covered as much as I could cover in the video, but I thought I would go in depth with it right now. So speaking of the the before you get to the airport part, and, and this is specific to Istanbul Airport, but I think a lot of airlines are sort of following suit with this type of these type of new regulations, and that is uh, carry-on luggage. So the carry-on luggage right now with Turkish Airlines as the example, and any airline that's flying out of Istanbul Airport. So these are regulations that are really for the airport, um, and it's a lot of airports in Turkey, pretty much all of them. So you've got a four-kilogram carry-on restriction. And because of that, because literally my laptop and my backpack is over 4K, I mean, that's, well, Four kilograms. A four. Ki <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my the price of my overpriced laptop aside. Listen, so 
that is not a lot of weight to carry, especially if you have electronics, if you have a camera, if you've got any kind of gear, you, you're going to go over that weight. So what I ended up doing was packing a lot of my electronics, which I absolutely never do, mostly because I'm worried about them just breaking in the, in the luggage hold, but also getting stolen. I've had things in the past stolen out of my checked luggage, so I try not to check anything that's too valuable. So I try to take my electronics with me. But in this case, I was a little bit worried. And I, I had a friend who had just flown. Uh, and they said that the carry-on checks are not as stringent as you need to worry about. So you can probably get away with your laptop and your camera. So what I ended up doing was taking the things that had data on them. So I took my hard drives. I traveled with several um, several backup hard drives. And those are necessary for me for videos and stuff. So. I took those because if I lose those, that's data that's gone and I don't want to lose any data. I took my laptop, obviously, because again, it stores data. And then I took my camera and the lens as well. One of the lenses that, that was attached to it, figuring that, okay, that the lens is, you know, and the, the camera is pretty sturdy. I mean, it is in my carry-on uh, and somebody pointed out, well, you know, you carry all that stuff on your back and you're just stuffing it in an overhead and you're taking on and off and you're in the airport. As far as the physical, you know, the physical, I guess, rigors that your electronics go through on your back, it's probably as bad, if not worse, on your back than it is when you check it. So when you check it, you know, it gets tossed around a couple of times and that's pretty much it. And if it's surrounded in clothes, it's got a lot of, you know, it's just stuffed full of clothes, which I did. So it's not moving around that much. Whereas when stuff is on your back, when it's on your backpack, it's going to move around a lot more and, and just be jostled around a lot more. So I never thought about it like that. Anyway, so I decided to take those things. And I got to the airport in Istanbul. And uh, so I used, I don't know if you've seen this video, but there is an easy way to get a taxi in Istanbul, which I highly recommend. If you go to the city, please, please watch that video please use the method that I outlined there because otherwise you're really just going to get ripped off. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Local, Turkish, foreigner, it doesn't matter. You 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 got to use the app. Otherwise, it's just impossible to get around. And there is, Uber is basically being pushed out of Turkey. It's very, very, very limited. So I don't recommend that you use it. I would suggest this other method that I that I have up on YouTube at Fox Nomad. You can take a look. So anyway, you know, I get in the cab and I put credit card because I didn't want to take out cash because right now, first of all, the Lira is falling in value very rapidly. Like it's lost, I think like 20% of its value in the last, you know, five months or something like that. So I didn't want any cash, which usually is how I plan it. So if I'm going to the airport, if I can do credit card, so anyway, I get my credit card ready. You know, I, I go through the app and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use credit card. Taxi picks me up. It's in the morning. I go to the airport four hours early, which at the time was the recommendation. Now they've lowered it to three hours for domestic and international flights. But it was four hours at the time. And I figured, hey, I have extra things in my carry-on. And if they actually do check and they do weigh my bag and I have to, you know, repack and all that stuff. So I decided to go four hours early, which was great and actually worked out because... I'm going, I'm in the taxi, you know, it's about a 45 minute drive. There was no traffic at the time of the day that I was going. And, uh, you know, I, I asked the guys, you know, if I put credit card in the thing, can I pay with credit card? Yeah. Now in Istanbul, a lot of cabs, 
they have either a credit card machine in the cab or they have that, um, I forget what it's called, that swipe thing that they just plug into their phone. They can swipe a credit card. And then if you use this app, you can just pay directly through it. So we're going, we're going, you know, typical drive, no problem. Weather is good. I'm uh, thinking, okay, am I going to have to repack my stuff in my carry-on? How's that going? What's going to happen? So on and so on. And I'm really worried, like, are my things going to get like stolen? Because I've heard people now lately getting things stolen out of, you know, having to check it in Istanbul and all this stuff. And I'm like worried and worried and worried, right? So we get to the airport. I'm like, all right, finally here. Let's do this. And for some reason, so the driver hits cash in his app. And he's like, oh, uh, you you said you were going to, I thought you were going to pay with cash, right? And I'm like, no, I put credit card in there. You should have just taken it from the credit card. And he's like, do you have cash on you? And I said, no, um, that's why I used credit card. Now, at this point, I was like, what should we do? So him and I are just kind of looking at each other like, what do we do? You know, like, wh what's the solution here? So I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I guess I have to get cash. So he's like, all right, I'll wait for you here. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll take my carry on and I'll go to an ATM. We ask some of the, you know, the, the cops that are around there and, you know, where's the nearest ATM? And of course, there's no ATM outside the airport, which to me, I've realized is a dumb dis design decision, you know? I mean, it was dumb for me, I guess. And so I have to go in the airport, which normally in a lot of airports wouldn't be an issue. But in Istanbul airport, there's security to get in. So security meaning you have to take off your carry-on, your check luggage, you know, your phone, wallet, all that stuff. And you have to go through kind of a, I'd say, you know, this is sort of a basic security check. It's not like they're going to go through your bags at that point. But you need to go through the security check to go in. And where we had stopped, so we had stopped at the domestic terminal, not the international, because the international one was full. So we wouldn't have a place to park, and I figured I would just walk. Well, it turns out that the domestic terminal is totally full. So there's this massive, massive line. So I tell the guy, look, the only way we're going to solve this problem is I have to go to an ATM and you've got to wait for me here. And he's like, that's fine. You can leave your bags. So I decided to take my carry on. I was like, I right, take the most valuable things I have <laughs> and I'll leave, you know, my check baggage, my tripod, my mic stand, you know, those two bags, you know, with the guy. I figured, okay, in the app, I have his, you know, I've got his, his license plate number, his name. I could at least find him through the cab company if he just took off with my stuff. And he doesn't know what's in my check luggage, right? So he doesn't know that there's like a drone and there's some valuables in there. And if he was the guy, the type of guy to run off with my bags, he would do it anyway, right? Without knowing what's in the bags. And so, you know, I talked and I just, I trusted him. You know, it was like a, it was sort of a logic intuition blend. I was like, all right, I know who you are. I've got your license plate. I've got all your details, cab details in the app. Plus, it just seemed like he was telling the truth and, you know, it just, it just went went for it. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, I'm local, so I didn't feel like, you know, if that were a foreign country, there's probably 0% chance I would have done that. But in Turkey, you know, I felt like, okay, let's go. So me trying to be the genius that I am, I was like, all right, there's this massive line in domestic. Let me go to arrivals. Maybe I can get in through the arrivals and just walk through you know, even if there's a shorter security line there and then get to an ATM. So I go down and there's an elevator and there's like three 
levels and this airport is massive uh it is the largest airport in the world right now so it's just massive so i take this elevator and you know we're all waiting socially distanced wearing masks people are going like one at a time you know i'm like oh come on guys come on guys you know so anyway i go down i go to the arrivals and i ask you know one of the security personnel and i'm like you know is there an atm down here meanwhile they're questioning some some guy so i don't know what was going on but i'm just like interrupted this seemed like a tense situation, you know, just talking to this guy who seems lost or confused or whatever. And I'm just like, hey, guys, uh, where can I go to the ATM? And they're like, there's no ATM down here in Arrivals. And I was like, great, that doesn't make sense. Then I have to wait for the elevator, go back up three floors, and then I go through the security line, right? This is now, we're like 30 minutes in. I go through security, I've got my check bags, I ask the police, there at the front, I'm like, is there their ATMs are like literally right when you walk through the door, and there's a piece of glass between you and the ATM and a door. And so I asked the guy, I was like, is there any way I can just go, you know, like leave my bags in the cabin, just go through? He's like, no, you got to go through security, which fair enough makes sense. Um, but I was just wondering, like, you know, maybe that place was blocked off from the rest of the airport. It turns out it's not. So you go through security. You kind of walk down into the airport, then you turn, make a U-turn behind this glass, and you walk all the way back up to the ATM right there. So I was able to get my cash. I go outside, and there's my taxi driver waiting for me, and he was kind of looking around. like He's probably like, what took so long? And I was like, the line was really long. He's there chatting it up with the cops, you know, who just let him hang out there while he's waiting for me. It worked out well. I got my bags. I got my tripod. I got my jacket, all that stuff. I had all my things, you know. And I gave him his cash and I gave him I gave him a nice tip because he did wait for a long time. And, you know, it's uh, that, that time is valuable for for a cab driver. So gave him a tip. Nice guy. Didn't steal any of my stuff. So there you go. That's what you get for for uh, being honest. So that was really nice. It was just kind of a weird sort of mishap, I guess, that that happened there. So I am now about you know now like 40 minutes have passed uh, maybe longer i'm sweating like i'm just profusely sweating and i'm like you know when you're at the airport and you just you just start you just don't want to sweat because you know as soon as it starts you're going to be sweating and you're going to be a mess and then you're going to be the sweaty guy or the sweaty girl and you're going to be on the airport and you're going to be like all right i just can't walk near anybody and thankfully masks and social distancing has helped a lot in this regard but i'm just sweating profusely you can see it looks like i've run a marathon maybe i'm exaggerating a little bit but anyway i'm sweating so finally i'm in the airport and i get into the line i'm like all right this looks pretty normal like the line everybody's not really social distance for the check-in line uh, everybody's kind of wearing masks. Some people have it under their nose, but security is going around and telling them to wear the mask properly. Um, and there's all kinds of people in the line. So it's not many. So the domestic terminal was pretty full, but the international was, was not really. I'd say, you know, I'm just eyeballing it. And in this airport, it's hard to tell because the airport is just so freaking huge. But I want to say it's, it looks like it was about 40%. My flight was totally full. So my flight was totally full. Mix of people, you know, not so many Turks, I guess. I'd say probably a blend of like 35% Turkish and the rest from everywhere else. I, I just noticed Americans, obviously, it's the flight to the US, Russians. Um, and, you know, those are just sort of the languages that, that caught my ears. So we're going through in the security line. I'm like, all right, this seems pretty normal. Nothing too weird, um, except that I did see two people 
three people actually, uh, wearing a full body mesh suit with latex gloves and a mask with goggles and, you know, a hood basically covering their head. So it looks like they're wearing a full biohazard suit, except for it's made of mesh. So I was, I was like trying to look at it without staring too much. But I mean, you you just got to stare in that situation, right? Like you just got to take a, a close look. And it's kind of a mesh. So if you imagine what uh, what a surgical mask is made out of, it's basically a little bit thinner than that. So it's maybe like, you know, instead of three or four layers, maybe like one or two layers, it's this mesh and it goes around to your ankles, to your uh, wrists, and then it has a hood that covers up and it's got this elastic, so it kind of covers up into your face. And then they're wearing a mask and some sort of goggle. And one of the people looked like they were literally wearing swimming goggles. So that was interesting. That was like, all right, that's kind of weird. So I'm in the line and there are basically there are staff waiting in, you know, kind of in the back of the line. So they're, you know, they're just getting people ready, like, you know, get your passport ready, this, this and that. And then when you get kind of closer to the actual check-in desk, there are these plastic barriers with staff behind it asking to see your passport, which is kind of normal, right? Like they take a look at your passport, but this was a security check, a specific security check, which was really interesting to me because um, as I'll tell you in a minute, there were a lot of these happening in the airport, just many, many checks in the airport. So anyway, I get to the check-in counter. There's a big glass with a little window, except for nobody used that because people were just like hanging around to the side where you, you know, where you leave your baggage. Uh, the lady asked me, you know, do you have a check bag? Yes, I do. Put that there. And then she asked, she looked at my carry-on and my bag is an air travel pack too. So if you haven't seen that, it's a pretty large bag. Um, it's it's a great tech bag, but it's on the bigger side, which I need for my electronics. So um, she asked me, do you have a laptop in there? And I'm like, yes. She's like, okay, fine. So they didn't weigh it, which is great because I didn't, you know, I should have waited, but it would have easily, easily, easily been over four kilograms. No issue there. It would have easily been over four kilograms. So I get to take my carry-on. I'm really excited. I go through the security check. Now it's about three, two and a half hours before my flight. So getting there four hours early did help. I think everybody got there exactly four hours early. And then, of course, you know, I had the mishap going to ATM and all that stuff. So I go through and now I'm in the... Uh, so you check in and then you go through passport control, which is 100% no different than passport control anywhere else because there's always that plastic barrier. At least in most countries, there's that plastic barrier. You know, you give your passport under that little opening in the plastic barrier. Passport control, all the same. Uh, I, I noticed that the, I don't, you know, I can't remember the control officer if she was wearing gloves or not. I don't recall. I want to say she wasn't which I thought was interesting because the passport is probably loaded with germs just in general. And now going into the actual security. So this is the security to go into the, you know, your past, you've checked in your past security, uh, passport control, and now you're going through like the main security. So this is where I really realized, I've thought about it a lot, but how disgusting airports are and traveling in general, like is pretty gross, I think in a lot of ways. So we're in line and we're socially distanced. Uh, everybody's keeping, as they recommended, a meter and a half, which is about like, like four feet. But most people were keeping a respectable, you know, even bigger distance in the security line, which was kind of nice because 
you know, a lot of people, like for me, for example, like I have a lot of electronics. So when I go through security, it takes me a longer time. Even though I have the system down, like boom, boom, boom. I have all my little packing cubes and my, you know, my cables, my, my camera stuff and, you know, all those things. When I go through there, you know, it takes me some time and people rush behind me. And, you know, it's kind of like, if you, you know, you feel like people are on top of you. I think a lot of people have that feeling, but having this socially distanced uh, line system where they would just take one person every 10 or 15 seconds was great. It gave you just enough time to get through security comfortably. I absolutely love that. I wish, I hope that stays. I have a feeling it won't after pandemic is all over and whatever, but it was really nice. I did have a guy yell at me though. He's just like turned around. And I don't know. I mean, I was literally far enough away from him to where like I could barely hear him. Okay, exaggerating again, but you get the point. And he, and he was just like, uh, what did he say? He just said, distance, please. <laughs> he just like yelled at me. And I was like, how much more? I mean, we were at least six feet apart. I mean, and he was in front of me. So I don't know. It, I felt like there was this also this some people were extremely tense. And then there were other people that were just like, whatever. And the, the tension was, you could tell it. You could tell that people were just scared to fly. Um, you could tell that they were scared to be in the airport, all that stuff. So anyway, I go through security, put my stuff on the tray, totally fine. Everybody's cool. We're all happy. You know, I go through. It's really nice because I get my tray. I don't have to like rush there to get like my couple of trays and gather all my stuff and then huddle it up and then pack it. That was nice. What was really cool and what I really, 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 really hope stays after that is there was a guy literally wiping down and sanitizing every single tray as soon as you got your stuff out of the tray. You get your tray, you get your things from your tray, the guy is there sanitizing it, cleaning it, and he puts it right back. Those trays were remarkably clean. I don't know if they were brand new trays, but they were just shiny, like sparkling shiny. And they didn't, you know, Next time, I don't know if you, you have this experience now, but next time you go to an airport, have you ever noticed when you take those security trays that they're kind of greasy? Like you can actually feel the human layers of grease that are just all over those things. These didn't have that. I mean, they were just really clean, like a very smooth tabletop. It was actually really nice. So that was different. Now in the airport, people were huddled around where you would usually expect them to be huddled around um, at the gate. So if you're flying through Istanbul, for example, because the gate, you know, is closed off and you have to go through uh, another security check and a passport check there. I would just recommend that you hang out kind of in the main part of the airport until very close to when you need to board. You know, when the boarding time is and you want to sort of go through those checks because there's additional security checks where they look through your bags, they look through your passport, they stamp it and all this stuff. So what you want to do is kind of find a place. And because the airport is not as busy, obviously they're nowhere near full capacity. As far as flights are concerned, you can find a place to sit. Another nice thing about place to sit in the airport is there were these signs that said you can't sit here, social distancing seat, and those are throughout the airport. So it's also nice. You kind of get some space at the airport. I know that's not going to last. I'm, I'm sure of that, but it was really nice. Plenty of places to find distance. The places that normally would be crowded, like cafes, restaurants, in front of, uh, you know, uh, arrival and departure boards. Those work busy, but there's plenty of places to go. And a lot of people have been asking me, what would you do? A lot of people have really crazy layovers now lately in Istanbul airport. 
because it's one of the few hubs that you can actually fly through. So if I were going to give you advice, this is what I'd say. If you are, if you've got like this crazy amount of time, you definitely want to pay to get into a lounge. The lounges are open. They've got all the, the, you know, the sanitation things in place. Um, and the lounges, I think, are like $35 for four hours. And you get food, you can get a drink, you know, you got a comfortable place to sit, you've got free Wi-Fi. Um, there's no free Wi-Fi in Istanbul airport. You cannot get free Wi-Fi without um, a local number and a local registered number. However, however, if you are a Wi-Fox user, well, uh, Wi-Fox will help you solve that problem. Uh, funny enough, it was just recently updated. That's It was just recently updated by one of our power users. So, um, yeah, it must be a coincidence. Anyway, so... The lounge is the number one thing I'd recommend. And a lot of people who haven't paid it, you know, haven't paid for lounge access. So there are a couple of lounges that you you have to be a member with an airline, like a Tur the Turkish Airlines lounge. But then there are these other lounges that you can you can pay your way into, which is usually like thirty-five to seventy dollars, you know, somewhere in that range. And a lot of people, you know, who haven't paid for a lounge or who haven't paid for lounge access don't want to pay to use a lounge, it is a huge money saver for you because if you buy just one or two things, you buy a bottle of water and you buy a sandwich, that's going to be like $20 at the airport, maybe more and you get a coffee and now you're up to close to $30. So it's just better, really, honestly, if you've got a long layover to pay for it in Istanbul airport. Now, if you don't want to do that, there are plenty of gates that are empty that you can just sit and hang out. You've got the social distancing seats as well, so you can really spread out, put your bags, whatever. Uh, I would recommend that if you've got like kind of a group and you don't mind uh, huddling around, there's plenty of carpeted places in front of the Gucci store. So there's like this middle area in front of the Gucci where there's all this shopping and there's this carpeted area. Yeah, you'll be sitting on the floor, but you'll literally be isolated from everybody. The lighting is great there. So you've got great lighting, I guess. It's just a kind of this gold glow that you've got going on. And uh, so you can hang out there. So those are your options. I would recommend, though, once you get past security and you're in the main part of the airport to get food and snacks because Turkish Airlines is serving lunch boxes on their flights. They don't have beverage service. So you'll get water, a juice box and a sandwich that looks like it was made in 1945. It's pretty gross. It's it's really gross. And I know that they're doing that probably to reduce the amount of time that the flight attendants are up, you know, and all that. Um, and you know, they make an announcement. They say, everybody in your row, people eat alternate. You know, what one person eats, the other person doesn't eat. So everybody just has their masks off. And uh, like you would expect, people are just wolfing those sandwiches down. They're disgusting. Definitely bring your own food. Now, if you're in the lounge, you can, uh, you're not allowed to take food out of the lounge, but there's plenty of snacks there. You're going to put a couple in your bag and I'm sure nobody's going to notice. So you at least have something for your flight. So that's something I would definitely recommend that you have your snacks before you get on the plane. If you're somebody who likes to eat a lot on the plane or, you know, you don't want to do a 10 hour fast pretty much and you don't want to eat really just really bad food, you know, just bad food then just bring your own food. Snacks will help you a lot. Uh, drinks, too. So if you want soda or, you know, whatever you want, you want to bring those because you're not going to be able to get those on the flight. Um, no drink service either, um, but I'm pretty, I don't know. I don't know if you can buy your own beer and bring it. I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, that's how that process goes. My flight was completely full. Everybody was wearing masks about an hour and a half into the flight. You know, those masks start going 
blow your nose. And it's not like the airport. So in the airport, they had people, they had staff on segways zooming around and scolding people who weren't wearing their mask properly. Put your mask on properly. And they would just wait, wait for you to put your mask. And they would just hang around you for a while just to make sure that you kept that mask on properly. And uh, it was amazing. Like it was just super. I mean, those guys were really like zipping around and just like hitting the brakes, catching people. Uh, that mask is under your nose. You got to wear that properly. You know, all that stuff, uh, you know, so that was great. But on the flight, I noticed about an hour and a half, two hours in, you know, when they dimmed the lights after meal service, the people were a lot less diligent about they were a lot less diligent about their masks uh, a lot. Mostly it was just kind of under the nose type thing going. But one really nice thing that I would love to see again after all this pandemic stick around is the flight attendants every hour and maybe more. I, I wish I'd counted, but it was at least once an hour. They would take a disinfectant and wipe down the entire door, the door handle, the inside of the door to the bathrooms. And then they would go inside the bathroom. It would be clean. The floor would be clean. They would disinfect literally like everything. I'm mean, just watching them. I was sitting right across from the bathroom. So I got to see all of this and you would go into these bathrooms and it would smell really nice. There was not a drop of water on the floor. You didn't feel completely disgusted by being in the bathroom. And uh, that was incredible. And I would love that to stay. So in that way, you know, the bathroom experience was a lot nicer on the flight. Now in the airport, they did have this cool system where it would I don't know. I, I couldn't find the sensors by the time I realized it. So they have this kind of like tablet LCD screen outside the bathroom. So you go in and it just shows how many people are inside. So 14 out of, you know, 50 or whatever spaces. And it would show you the maximum occupancy, whether it's 11%, 50%. It would show green uh, as long as there was space, socially distanced space in the bathroom. Once the bathroom started to fill up, it would turn red. So that means the bathroom is now full. They can't accept any more people. So they, you know, they limit the number of people that can go into any restroom in the airport. Um, but the system was just really cool. If you want to see a picture of that in the video um, that I made, that's on YouTube, but really cool. I, I'll have to check out the sensors uh, next time to see how they do that, you know, where they have that. Because it was totally automated. There wasn't somebody that was just, you know, taking your count. It was just totally automated. Somebody would leave, then the count would go down. Somebody would enter, the count would go up. So I thought that was really cool, a nice piece of tech. Um, then rounding this all up, basically upon landing, where you land, your destination is going to determine what it's like after that. So once the plane is on the ground, uh, once you're up and out, then it really, you know, the whatever the rules are, pandemic related or, or otherwise, are going to be your destination. So that's where that ends. Um, so for me, a couple of things that I noticed was I liked a lot of parts of traveling in the pandemic, a couple of parts. One, I, I oddly, this sounds strange, but I did like wearing my mask the whole flight. I felt like and the reason is I felt like it humidified the air because I'm breathing into this mask. I felt like it was humidifying and kind of conditioning the dry air when I was breathing. And when I landed, I noticed that I didn't have as many I didn't have that kind of a dry nose sinus thing that I don't know if you guys have it, but a lot of people have it. So when you land, you kind of have that, you know, the sniffles and you, 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 your brain feels like it was sort of vacuumed out. Um, so you don't have, I didn't have that. So in that regard, wearing the mask wasn't 
too bad actually it kind of improved my my flying experience and it felt nicer that the plane was cleaner it felt nicer that everybody was wearing a mask just in general not i mean not even putting into mind the pandemic or coronavirus but mostly because you know you're sitting in such close contact with people it's really just gross and the fact that things are being sanitized is really nice I will say, though, I did still catch a couple of people in the airport and on the plane picking their noses. And I just don't get why people feel like the airport or an airplane is the place to a public in general is the place. To, I don't get that. So that was still pretty gross. And I was like, uh, did you guys not get the notice that we're all, you know, we're being really hygienic and, uh, you know, just we, we pulling down uh, is just it really is annoying. But. Either way, uh, that was the flying experience. So uh, let me know if you have any questions on Twitter, always at Fox Nomad. You can always let me know if you have any questions, but hopefully that gives you kind of an idea of what it's like. So I want to answer the question for you now, which is, should you travel or not? Obviously, if you have to fly, you know, you really have to fly, um, if you can get, get out of it for work or there, you know, if you've got a family emergency or something, then you're going to have to fly. You know, obviously, that's what you can expect. But I'd say if you don't have to fly right now, I would say don't. And the reason is because, first of all, it's a big hassle. Flying has always been a hassle. And now it's even more of a hassle. Second of all is things are changing so rapidly that these flights could easily get canceled again. We see numbers going up in Turkey, for example, uh, in Europe, and the airlines have been canceling flights, rescheduling flights. They've also changed their cancel policies, so they're not going to give you your money back. But a lot of airlines now, like I think American Airlines just announced that they will, they'll let you reschedule a flight without a fee, so without a change fee, but they're not going to give you your money back. So I would just recommend at this point that you... Um, you know, not fly if you don't have to. Now, you can look into some travel insurance. Uh, Safety Wing is one that might give you some coverage. They do cover now coronavirus-related things. Um, so I don't know if they cover, uh, if they're right now covering cancellation fees or giving your money back for canceled flights, but something to look into. But if you don't have to travel right now, I just say don't do it. It's a big hassle, more of a hassle than it usually is. And um, it's going to expose you to being in a crowd with a lot of people, which is something that none of us really want to do right now. So I would just hold off. Look, it's going to get better at some point. The travel season right now internationally is pretty, you know, it's pretty dead. But that gives you the opportunity to maybe travel around locally, to get in your car, to take a train maybe, you know, take some transportation that's a little bit easier to isolate on and, you um, maybe explore some places that are around you so that would be my recommendation anyway why was i traveling so i want to get into that right after this talking about the new well the, not the new it's pretty much every year the upcoming tech season all right so i have been getting ready for the tech season i've got a ton of boxes ready for reviews so uh make sure you are uh, subscribed on YouTube at Fox Nomad to catch those. But one video that is out already is something that I saw at CES early in the year. I finally got my hands on the sort of finished product, which are the Jabra Elite 45H. Now, I'm just going to say it. These are probably the best on-ear headphones. So they're not over-ear. They don't 
go around your ear like a lot of larger headphones. These are smaller, so they actually sit on your ear. They're not earbuds, they're headphones. Um, these are probably the best ones you can get for under hundred dollars. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. The Jabra is a company that does things very cleverly, I think, for your budget. Now they don't always make the mark. They are new in the headphone space. They are known for making headsets. So they're known for their microphones, their headsets, um, and their audio equipment when it comes to hearing aids. And so they're now, so last two years I've been jumping into the headphones. So I reviewed the Jabra 80, which are active noise canceling headphones, which were great. They have a lot of good features, but there are a couple of things. If you saw my road tested a year in on the review, you saw that there's a couple of things that they just didn't nail down right. One is the wiring on the right earbud when you on the right ear cup when you would turn it on and off, it would cause a little bit static in the ANC. And the ear cups were just a little bit, the leather that they used was a little bit too hot. So the faux leather that they used was just uncomfortable over, you know, wearing it for an hour or two, so on and so on. But they're making strides. And I have to say that they're very innovative when it comes to this headphone space. Whereas like Sony and Bose, those are the ones, if you want active noise canceling, those are the, those are where you look. You either look at Sony or Bose. I'm a little bit more partial to the Bose had good experiences with them but the sony's are great as well so those are kind of the kings and those are over your headphones and their earbuds are also great with the active noise canceling but what Jabra's done here is gone all right these headphones now are are just under a hundred dollars and they went on sale they're like seventy dollars now so first of all the ear cups that sit on your ear are made of memory foam it's a danish company this for some reason i just associate good mattresses in scandinavia so maybe that's that's kind of the thinking. They're very minimal, but they're very sleek looking. So they look a lot more expensive than they are. And they come with the My Sound feature. Now, My Sound is something that I talked about earlier in the year and I saw it at CES and it blew my mind. It's just both the implementation and the idea of it. So essentially what My Sound is, is it, it's in this Jabra app. So you put these uh, 45H on, you listen to them. The sound is a little bit above average. A little bass heavy so it's a little bit on the bass side um, typical for these class of headphones typically for what you know their sound they're going for but it's not great sound so it's not great sound but you take this my sound app so it's, it's basically the way Jabra's done it again is a little bit clunky so they have the sound plus app which is their app and then my sound is part of it what they should really do is break apart the my sound app into its own app but, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing they don't want to do that just yet to, to kind of keep it more exclusive and to get you onto to the Sound Plus. So you download that either way, go into My Sound. And the nice thing is it's got an equalizer. So, you know, the, the Sound Plus app has an equalizer. You can customize the sound of these headphones any way you want. And most Jabra headphones have that. But what My Sound does is I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, if you remember that Jabra works and has done hearing aids and they work, they do a lot of stuff in that space. So what they've done with the sound, my sound, they got to stop use. They got to just name these things way cooler stuff and more differentiated. But the my sound, what it does is it gives you a hearing test in your right ear and your left ear, asks you your gender and your age. Quick note that the privacy policy, what I like about Jabra as well, is that all that information stays 
locally on your device, anonymized, and it's not stored or sent anywhere, which is great. So they give you the hearing test, right ear, left ear, age, gender. And they, when I met with them at CES early in the year, they said basically your age and your gender is a huge part of your hearing profile. So those are going to determine how you hear things. Men hear things differently than women. And as you get older, obviously, you hear different frequencies at different you know, rates and different levels and all that. So you do the hearing test, put your music back on, and now it sounds like you've got a brand new pair of headphones. To me, it sounded a lot louder. It sounded like the volume had been cranked up, first of all. And uh, like I noticed at CES, they told me, no, the volume does not change, stays the same. And then you can hear all the little trebles and like all the little, it's almost like you're in a music hall. It's not that great, but it is good enough to where you feel like you can hear all those little dings and ticks and beats and instruments and sounds. The, the sound is just a lot richer. It's almost like it's unlocking all these other sounds that you couldn't hear before. And it's a really cool way to make, you know, headphones that are like $70 way punch above their weight. That's what I said in the, in the video, punch above their price. That's one way you can do it. You use software to hack the headphones. And it's not that I'm particularly deaf. It's not that I have terrible hearing. They just say, they basically told me that everybody hears differently. So it's not that you hear poorly. It's just headphones. Obviously, when they mass manufacture anything, they've got to get it right for as many people as they can. You know, so they have a standard sound profile. So they use the standard sound profile for everybody. And obviously, since we all hear differently, we're all going to see it differently. And the same thing is true of laptop monitors, desktop monitors, things that you see, TVs, you know, your everybody's eyes see differently. And we see different colors differently and so on. But what these do is they customize the headphones for your particular hearing. I think we're going to see a lot of this, a lot of this. We saw that at the WWDC. We saw the customization of their headphones and their sound profiles as well. I think we're going to see just a trend towards more software personalization, customization of input-output products. So I could imagine that you get a laptop screen. It's going to calibrate for your eyes in the future. Just taking a simple test, for example. Hearing test for your phone, maybe. So when you take phone calls to it, maybe adjust how you hear different sounds and so on. So I thought that was really interesting. I, I was a lot more impressed with these 45H than I was with the Jabra ANC. So those were $100 cheaper than the Bose. Uh, and they were pretty good. So it seems like they were like trying to get as good as they could get with $200. Whereas the 45H, what I feel like they've done is they've gone, you know what, we're not going to compete with the $150 headphones and up. We're just not going to do that. We're going to make these as great as we can for this amount of money. And since we have all this experience with hearing aids, we have all this experience with sound profiles, we're just going to enhance the software. So we can do that relatively inexpensively. We don't have to change the hardware. Hardware is expensive. Software is a lot easier to implement. It's a lot easier to change too with firmware updates, software updates, and patches, and so on. So that was really some of the coolest tech that I've got. I've got just boxes and boxes that I'm looking at. I've got a ton of reviews coming up. Uh, there's a lot going on in the video and camera world. If you're shopping for a camera, just don't. I, I have been thinking to upgrade my lens and then, you know, my 
my camera body and maybe switch to a different system. But Lumix, so Panasonic just recently announced the S5, like I think yesterday or two days ago, which answered almost all my problems, all my prayers for a new camera except one, which is it has a recording time limit of 30 minutes, which just annoys me because don't do that. None of your other cameras have that. Don't, don't do that. Yes, you can set it to be 8-bit instead of 10-bit or whatever, but if you could, I want to use all my bits and I want to use them for an unlimited recording time. I just want to fill up my memory cards. There are a lot of times where I'm recording and I go over 30 minutes because I don't know how to make a coherent sentence. For some reason on the podcast, I can just talk and talk and talk, but when it comes to video, if I'm going to make a 10-minute video, that's going to be like 30 to 40 minutes of me just talking to the screen and cutting out most of it. So there's a lot going on with that. So tech season is in full swing. So get ready for a lot of those things coming out. I've got a lot of things planned for the podcast as well, which I'll be announcing over the next couple of weeks. But we are right back into the regular schedule. Two podcasts per month, one every other week. And oops, a lot of bonus episodes, a lot of them coming up. So you can have a lot of uh podcast to keep you busy over the next couple of months and beyond we are done with hiatus time two videos a week on youtube those are coming up even extra bonus videos as well fox nomad i've got the articles running again so we've got posts coming up oh yeah oh yeah and those projects that i've said are taking i think like 21 months now they're all slowly going to be released they're just i almost had news for you today let's just put it that way and i'm really excited Everything I do, like I said, is to help you guys, all of you travel smarter. And I just want to keep creating and making things that will help you do that. And we will be traveling again soon. I know it doesn't seem like that right now, but if we just wait a little while, it's going to get better. And we're going to discover some things that are, are a little bit closer to home, which I think um, I think it's forcing us to be a little bit creative with our travel plans. And that's great. Anyway. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you've gotten this far, please do make sure to give five stars wherever you're listening to the podcast. It's a huge help that helps get the word out about the podcast. Thank you again for listening and I'll talk to you in the next episode. <music>